The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. I want to say thank you to the praise team. Um, That last song was at my request. (laughs) I love the words of that song, and I love the idea that goes along with it that God is still at work. And it always makes me think of a passage of Scripture. And I hadn't planned on using this passage this morning, but I want to read it anyway. And it's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And I think that a big portion of this song that you just heard came from that passage. And it says this, The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak of prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message, just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. This is an awesome movie. Somebody needs to make a movie out of this. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Does that sound a little bit familiar? (laughs) Does that bring to mind anything as you listen to that read? He goes on. He says, therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, 
O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Isn't that an awesome passage? It's a passage that makes me think about where we are in the world today. And it makes me wonder about how hard we are seeking him. And do we feel like we're old, dry bones? Do we sit around and wonder, is there any hope for us today? I'd like to visit with you today about this phrase that we often hear and we often ask when we need to make a decision. What's God's will in all of this? We've been using a tool for the last few weeks um, called Uversion, the Uversion app. And I'd love you to grab your, your um, devices, whatever it is that you use. We're going to use it again this morning. Um, this is my first time doing it from up here. And so hopefully I'll get it in the right order. Um, but um, I love using this tool. I love being able to see the scriptures up on the screen. And most of the scriptures I use this morning will be up on the screen as we do this again. I love that so many of you are getting involved in the reading plans throughout the week and then commenting on them. I love getting the emails where people are commenting on what they're reading in those reading plans and staying connected throughout the week. So if you're not doing that yet, please start because we hope to continue doing that for a while at least. You know, we believe that, G that because of Jesus, let me start over. <laughs> when Jesus was teaching his disciples, how to pray. He included in his prayer, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean when he says, may your will be done? What is God's will? How can we know what it is? Is it important that we know what it is? Those are the questions we're going to discuss this morning. What is God's will? We're going to read, excuse me, we're going to read a number of passages this morning uh, as we go down through and, um, and talk about those passages. Um, and I am looking, <laughs> you know what? I let my son, um, set this up for me this morning. And you know what he set up? The Christmas Eve program. So I need to go to events. Thank you, Austin. <laughs> I'm thinking that verse doesn't match. So if you have your devices out, go to events and find Westway Christian Church online only, and it will bring up the right program for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, that looks so much better. We're going to begin 
this morning, and I, and I want to I think about what I just said. It says, often when, when we hear that question, or even find ourselves asking that question, what's God's will? It's in conjunction with wondering what God wants us to do. Should I continue working at this job? Should I move to a different town? Should I get involved with this ministry? And we hope that or expect for God's will to be in agreement with what we want. The decisions we are trying to make revolve around our feelings and our emotions. And we tend to look inward for the answer to the question of what is God's will? Now, don't hear me wrong this morning. I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to consider our circumstance when we make decisions. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But before we apply that question to the decisions we are making for ourselves, I believe it's necessary to answer the question, what does the scripture say about God's will? There are many passages that talk about his will specifically. And all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's found in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So let's take a few passages and there are a lot of them in scripture. We're just going to look at a few this morning that speak of God's will. And the first one we're going to go to is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the first thing I want us to think about this morning is that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect for you. He's the one that knows what's best. He's the one that can transform our lives. But that happens by the way that we think. And so we need to seek his help in that. Another thing that God's will is, is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And that, that verse reads this way. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans do. Not, excuse me, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. 
You know, I think about that and, and it says each of you will control his own body. Oftentimes, I think we want God to control it for us. I think we seek his will and we say, okay, God, you do it. And God says, you still need to control your body. I'm not going to do that for you. You have to make the choice. But his will for you is that you be holy. And you can only be holy by being with Christ. And sometimes it's really hard to be holy. Sometimes the circumstances around us are tough. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen the way they do. This year's been full of that, hasn't it? Sometimes our desire doesn't match with what's going on around us. Yet, in another passage, and John referred to this earlier um, this month, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 18, it says, be thankful when you feel like it. Is that what it says? No. <laughs> Be thankful in what? Can you say it out loud? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So no matter what the circumstances are, if we're living our lives for him, we can be thankful. We can do the things that he wants us to do in spite of what's going on around us. And you know what's interesting? He will help you to be thankful, to find things to be thankful for. Even when it's tough. God's will for us was that he might send his son into this world. And that we might learn from Jesus how to live honorable lives. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, Peter shares with us that it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. As I read that and I thought about that, I think about the stuff that's been going on in our world and in our country today. And the backbiting and the fighting and the comments that are made and how tough people can be towards one another. Peter says it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people. Who make those foolish accusations against you. For you are free. Yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Isn't the first thing that we think of when somebody does something to us. Or says something bad about us. Isn't the first thing that comes to our mind to get them back. And to repay them. With the same thing that they did to us. We have the right right. 
No. God says, you're my slaves. And the best thing for you to do is to live an honorable life and let it speak. And then in verse 17, he says, respect everyone, even the person that makes fun of you, even the person that treats you badly and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Now, if you read scripture, you'll realize that there were a lot of kings that didn't deserve much respect. <laughs> and there are leaders today that we question how much respect we can give them, isn't there? Haven't we heard that all through the year in this election year towards whomever was going to be president from one side or the other? It's God's will that we live honorable lives and that we respect them no matter who they are, no matter what color their skin, no matter what their background or their upbringing, they still deserve respect. See, God sent us his son into this world and we just celebrated his birth this last week. And God knew that we would make mistakes and that we would say things we didn't or shouldn't have said and that we would do things that we shouldn't have done. And they call that sin. And he knew that sin needed to be punished and that there are consequences for sin. He set it up that way. It was his will that there be consequences for the things that we do and say, whether they be good or bad. And yet he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, into this world to pay the price for our sin. And that price was terrible. And this morning, I want us to look to the book of Isaiah for just a little bit. I would really like you to, and we say this every week, we'd like you to go back and read the whole chapter or the whole book to get the context around this. But bear in mind, this is hundreds of years before Jesus came when this was written. And this passage in Isaiah 53 describes to the T what Jesus would go through for us. And in the middle of all of that, it says in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, speaking of Jesus, and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his, delay, his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. As you read through that chapter in Isaiah chapter 53, you see that Jesus took our place. The one who was perfect and sinless took our place. He was led to the cross 
He was made fun of. He was spat upon. He was whipped. He had nails driven into his feet and hands. Not deserving any of it. But knowing that that was God's will for him. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 5, the writer of Hebrews talks about what Jesus did for us and why. He says, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Think about that example. God gave Jesus a body to offer. Why? Well, he goes on. He says, you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. And then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. And then he said, look, I have come to do your will. You see, he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. You see, it's God's will that you be holy. It's God's will that you be thankful in all circumstances. It's God's will that you live honorable lives. It's God's will that Jesus pay the price on the cross for our sins. Jesus had told his disciples what he was going to have to do. And even in that time that they spent with him, they didn't fully understand what he was going to do. Even though they had walked and traveled with him for at least three years, they weren't totally aware of what he meant. When they arrested Jesus and let him off, where were the disciples? They scattered. Peter watched from a distance, tried to get close, but when asked if he was one of those disciples, he denied it. How many times? Three times. I wonder how we would have done in a moment like that. You see, it was God's will that that be carried through, that that happen, that Jesus pay the price for our sins. And later on the day of Pentecost, God sent the Holy Spirit to the apostles in what looked like fire in that room when they were praying. And it was then that the apostles came to the full realization of what Jesus' plan was. 
And they begin to share. They begin to share with those around them. And in Jerusalem on that day, there were people from all nations, it says. And they spoke all languages. And so what did God do? It was his will that they hear. So when the apostles spoke, the people heard them speaking in their own language. And they understood that it was Jesus, the person that many of them had hollered, crucify him. That man was truly the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior of all, the one who paid the price for our sins and their sins. And on that day, they were convicted in their hearts. And they wondered what they should do. Excuse me. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter told them, 37 and 38, they said, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you to your children and to those far away. All, underline that little word all, who have been called by the Lord our God. See, God made you a promise on that day. It was his will that if you repent of your sins, turn away from them. The New International Reader's Version says, turn away from your sins. And are baptized into Christ. Paul shares in Romans chapter 6 that when we were baptized, we were united with Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And we were raised to a new life. The old sinful life is no longer there because we've been united with Jesus. You see, it's God's will. That we do that. It was God's will that Jesus be baptized and he was sinless. But Jesus said when John the Baptist asked him, why are you doing this? I, you should be baptizing me. Jesus said, I need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. It's the right thing to do. That's God's will. It was God's will for Jesus to pay the price for our sin. It was God's will for us to be made holy by the blood of Jesus. It was God's will for us to repent and is God's will for us to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins so that the Holy Spirit will live in us. So how do we know what God's will is in our daily lives? I think that's a question that we all want to know. And I know that there are those in this room that have been asking that very question. We've had this discussion recently. Should I move or shouldn't I? Should I stay at this job or shouldn't I? Should I be a part of this team or shouldn't I? Well, there's some good advice on that. 
And as I've already stated, first and foremost, we must go to his word and understand that God will never lead us to or tell us anything that contradicts what he's written in his word. When we have listened to his teaching and instruction and developed the relationship with him, then based on that foundation, we can look at the circumstances around us and consider what his will is in them. We should also seek wise counsel from the godly people he has surrounded us with. These people should be people that have grown to maturity from the study of his word. And they should be people that have exhibited wisdom in the choices they have made. You know, sometimes I think we go ask people what God's will is from people that don't have any idea and haven't shown that they understand it. You see, the key there is seek wise counsel from godly people. There are a lot of people around us that can do that. I am so thankful for when I talk about when John was asking us to fill out that paper that said, what are you thankful for just before Thanksgiving? One of the first things I put on mine, I'm thankful for the leadership here at Westway. I'm thankful for the way they seek his will in his word. I'm thankful for the love that they distribute to each other and the way they communicate with each other openly and freely. And frankly, those are people I can go to for wise counsel. And there are a lot of others here at Westway and in our community. So that's a good choice to make when we're seeking God's will in our lives. You see, those people will have the ability to look at the larger picture as they won't be tied down with the personal details that we are. That each of us struggle with. This counsel will help us to use common sense in seeking God's will. You see, God's will makes sense. And sometimes God will lead us to do something that we might question. And those people that we seek counsel from can help us work through that. My dad used to ask me when I would come and ask him a question. He'd say, does it make sense? That's a good way to start. Or maybe he asked me that question after I did something. Did that make sense? <laughs> Sometimes God will lead us to do something through what we might call conviction or a strong impulse to do something. And yet in that moment, when that happens, we need to ask the question, does it make sense? What would those people that I seek wise counsel think of this? What would God say in his word about that conviction I'm feeling? You know, when I think about God's word, I did a little addition this last week. We have this chart on a whiteboard in the staff room that lists the passages of scripture that we've used throughout this year. And now it's listing the passages of scripture we're going to go through next year. 
And um, I went back, and we have that on uh, uh, a form online also that we can access. And I added up how many verses we've covered on Sunday morning here at Westway. And some of those Sundays didn't have any verses put down, and I knew that we didn't, we didn't skip any, so I just put 10 verses in that Sunday. It wasn't written down. It was part of a series, but I knew we used verses. And we have studied on Sunday morning or read through 2,350 verses just on Sunday morning. We're seeking him and his will in his word. Now, obviously, that's an estimate because there were a lot of verses that weren't written on that board that were used. And that doesn't include the daily devotions that John's been leading us in throughout the year. That doesn't include the, the Bible study that many of you are doing now using the YouVersion app. That's just what was mentioned on Sunday morning. You see, that's what our leaders want us to do. That's what God wants us to do. To seek his will in his word. So, is it really necessary that we learn what God's will is for us in our lives? Does it really matter? What if I've gone through the motions of seeking his will in the word? I've sought wise counsel. I've used common sense. I may or may not have listened to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Does it matter? Well, Jesus warned us about this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. You tell me. Does it matter if we seek God's will or not? Does it matter if we follow what he teaches us. And the key word in that passage is do his will. Jesus even identified his family in a way that tells us it's really important that we do God's will. In Mark chapter 3, verses 33 and following, Jesus' family had come to find him where he was teaching. And he was told that by the people in the crowd that they were looking for him. And this is what he replied. He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. You see, he identified his family as being those that do his will. Is it important that we seek God's will? Is it important that we know what he wants for us to do? And yes, even for Jesus, it wasn't easy to do what he was doing and live the life that he was leading. Times Sometimes it was downright hard for him to do what he was doing. And he understands the same thing is true for us. 
that he didn't, he didn't tell us that it was going to be easy. In fact, he tells us the, the opposite of that. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, the brother of Jesus shares with us, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, did you catch it? When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's a process that we're going through. And it takes testing to go through that process. And like I mentioned just a moment ago, it wasn't always easy for Jesus when he was in the garden before he was arrested and he was praying and asking the apostles to pray with him. His prayer was Luke 22 verse 42. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He understood what suffering was all about. Yet he said, I want your will to be done, not mine. We will go through tests. We will go through trials. We will have struggles in our lives. And yet we know that God wants best for us. And so, as I mentioned, our leaders pray for you day in and day out. And Paul did the same for the church in Colossae. I want to share this passage with you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So I pray for you, like David, that you will be able to say, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For I take joy in doing your will, my God. For your instructions are written on my heart. It's not a bad thing for us to make plans for the future. In fact, it's probably a good thing. And maybe to put a little money aside in savings or investments for the tough times that might be ahead. But when we boast and brag and put our trust in those things and put them before the things God wants us to do, then it's sin. And James warns us about this in his letter. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to do, we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, 
If the Lord wants us to, in some translations, it says, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's found in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. To know what you ought to do, that's God's will. What we ought to do is God's will. Don't wait until tomorrow to do his will. This passage also reminds us that we don't know how much time we have here on earth. Tomorrow's uncertain. We've been vividly reminded of that in the year that we've just gone through. There have been a number of people from Westway whose lives here on earth have ended, often in unexpected ways. This morning, we want to ask you to join us just for a moment in remembering and honoring them as we watch this short video. Let's use this moment to thank God for the time that we were permitted to have with them. Mm -hmm. 